Some of you might know the name John Wesley. He was the founder of Methodism. He was one of the great reformers of his days. Um, And as he started out in his ministry, God really moved on his heart to live a generous life. And so uh, in his his first year, uh, his salary was 30 pounds in England. And he tried his best to live with as little as possible or enough so that he could survive, so that he could give away more and use less. And so in that first year, he was able, he discovered that he could live off of 28 pounds, and so he was able to give away two pounds. The second year, his salary actually doubled, and so he got received 60 pounds, but he still maintained his uh, standard of living, and so he lived off of 28, and then he gave away 32 pounds. The year after that, it increased again to 90 pounds, and again, he was able to live off of 28 and give away 62 pounds. And throughout his life, Wesley lived in this way and in this form, uh, even up to points when he would earn about 1,000, I think at his peak, about 1,400 pounds, and he still lived the same standard of living and was able to give away so much. Uh, He said that he would have probably at the most about 100 pounds with him. He lived a very generous life, a very selfless life, uh, a life that was very uh, God-focused, gospel-focused for the proclamation uh, of the gospel. And in this series, we've been looking at gospel patrons. It's, it's coming off of our series on discipleship as we want to be apprentices with Jesus. And to be an apprentice of Jesus or a disciple of Jesus is also to live with a posture and attitude of generosity. And so as we've been studying about gospel patrons, we we shared this definition that a gospel patron is a disciple of Jesus or apprentice of Jesus who's developed a posture of generosity. And last week we talked about that posture of generosity, the idea that um, we need to have a heart transformation, a posture of generosity for the proclamation of the gospel through their time, talents, and treasures as well. And so this Sunday, I'm going to look a little bit at this idea of our treasures or our finances. Now, I realize that this can be a very difficult and a very touchy subject as well. And I realize even in the current economy that we're in and a lot of difficulty that people might be going through, uh, this can be a a very difficult message as well. And trust me, it was a difficult message to uh, prepare. Ask Laura, my wife, how many times I told her this week, this is really tough um, as I was preparing. But at the same time, I want you as, as your pastor as well to hear the whole counsel of God and to understand that it's not, I don't want you to understand this is just about finances, but about the issue of the heart. And that's what I hope that you'll see uh, as we talk a little bit about our, our treasures. In fact, if you look at Jesus's teachings in the New Testament, about 20% of Jesus's teachings deal with money, finances, and possessions. Can you believe that? That's a lot. That's probably more than any other one specific topic that Jesus spends time on because he realizes that there's a great connection. There is an interconnection between our heart and our wealth. There is an interconnection. There's, there's, a, there, there's an intimate connection between what happens in our heart and what we do actually with our finances and with our possessions. Because as we shared before, where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. 
And, and if you're a visitor here with us, um, I hope this message will be a blessing for you. And, and, and as, as you sort of see how you live with your own finances and live in a posture of generosity, if you call Unionville Alliance Church your home church, and this is the community in which you uh, fellowship in and are spiritually fed and serve and, and are part of a life group and are part of what's going on over here, I want to encourage you as we talk about some of these things to think about how your posture of generosity is, uh, in particular to what God is asking you to do because there is this connection between our heart and our wealth. I don't want you to think about finances and giving as just a physical act because it's much more than that. It's a reflection of our heart. It's a reflection of what God is actually doing in us to change us and transform us. One of the most famous parables that Jesus told, it's actually found in every single gospel, is the parable of the sower. And in this parable of the sower, Jesus talks about different kinds of soil that the sower goes and he sows seed in different kinds of soil. And it produces different things in these different soils. And in one of the soils is, a, is called the thorny ground or the thorny soil. And it says that the, the word of God is sown in there and then it gets choked. And this is what it says if you read it in, in Mark chapter 4. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, this thorny ground, hear the word of God, but the worries, three things, the worries of this life. And let me ask you a question. How many times do we worry about finances? How many times do we worry about how much money we have or what our possessions are? The deceitfulness of wealth, that's clear connection there and the desire of other things. And a lot of times our desires might be focused on what? Other things. Oh, I want this other car, or I want this other job, or I want this other possession, or I want this other house, I want this more money, or, or all of these things. And what does that do actually to the word of God that he's trying to sow in our hearts? It chokes the word of God. So that the word of God can't actually produce fruit in our lives. There's a, there's a choking. We have to understand this connection between what happens in our heart and what happens with our, with our finances or our wealth or what God has given to us. If we don't, if we don't have a, a good heart where the seed is sown, what happens is all these other things that try to crowd out in our lives, it starts to choke us. Uh, it, it makes us unfruitful. It says here, the desire of other things come and choke the word, making it unfruitful. So friends, I want to encourage you today to take some time just to really examine your heart and see the connection between your heart and the way that you deal with your own finances and the way that you deal with the money that God has given to you. Because there is a connection, what we do with our money, where our treasure is there, will our heart be also. What we do with our money, it, it follows uh, where our heart actually is. In 1 Timothy, as Roger read for us today, it says, the love of money. Money in itself is not evil. We all need money to live and survive in this world. Money can actually be a good thing for gospel proclamation. There's some of you here that are gospel patrons, that are business people, that God is using you uh, to, and the wealth that God has blessed you with for the furtherance of the gospel, for gospel proclamation. So we need money in all of these things. But what it says here is the love of money. Because the love of money is the root of all evil. That root goes into our heart. And that's why there's a connection between our heart and what we do with our money. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. All kinds of evil. Do you know why there are certain uh, quote-unquote businesses or certain things that are happening in the world that are very lucrative? The pornography industry in the world today is a billion, billion, billion dollar industry. There's a lot of evil in the world and a lot of money that's being made out of a lot of evil. 
And the love of money is the root of all evil and causes people to do a lot of evil things just to gain money. There are people that are trafficked all over the world. We recently had a speaker from IJM come in and talk about trafficking and their uh, work to eliminate trafficking around the world. There's a lot of evil that happens. Why are people trafficked? The root of it is what? The love of money. They want more and more money. There's a connection between what happens in our heart and what we do with our, with our money. The love of money is the root of all kinds, all kinds of evil that are in the world. And we have to guard our heart. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many, many sorrows. Friends, where your treasure is, there your, your heart will also be. Randy Acorn, who was, um, was a pastor and an author, um, he said when he was a, a teenager, he said God put upon his heart to actually give to the persecuted church, to organizations that were helping and supporting the uh, persecuted Christians around the world. And he said that as he started to give money towards that, you know what he started to also do? He started to pray for those persecuted Christians. Before he started giving money, he wasn't even praying for those persecuted Christians. But as he started to give money to support persecuted Christians, he started to pray. Why? Because where your treasure is, your heart will also follow. Right? Where you put your treasure, where you invest into, your heart will also follow that. And so we have to examine our hearts and see where is my heart in all of these things. Right? What kind of intentions and motives do I have in my heart in the way that I actually use, uh, use my money? So I, I want to talk, talk to you about something that's called tithing. And it's a, it's, a, it's a word and a principle that's used throughout the word of God. And I want to just sort of journey from even the Old Testament to the New Testament to talk a little bit about what that actually means and what the word of God actually says. Um, because I know we haven't talked about that here in a long time, probably. Um, and it's something that's a principle in the word of God. And if you, if you look at what the word of God says from the Old Testament to the New Testament, you do see and derive some principles about giving in the posture that God wants us to have. And sometimes people might say, oh, well, tithing, that's an Old Testament thing. We're living in the New Testament in the grace period. Well, do you know actually that tithing actually preceded the law? Tithing actually came in before the law. If you look in the book of Genesis uh, about the time when Abraham, he was going into a battle. And when he came out of the battle, he met this man named Melchizedek. I won't read all the verses. It's, it's on the screen there for you. And when Abraham met Mel Melchizedek and he was so grateful for the victory that God had given to him, he was so thankful for that. And it says here that Abraham gave a tenth of all that he had, all the goods that he recovered, he gave a tenth, a tithe. The tithe means the tenth. Give all of that to Melchizedek. Abraham's grandson, Jacob, had a similar experience where he told the Lord, Lord, if you are with me and if you will help me and you'll keep me when I go out and when I come in, God, I'm going to give you a tenth of everything that I have. And so even before the law came, God was putting this in the hearts of people to develop a posture of generosity, not because God needs our money or God needs our possessions, because a cattle on a thousand hills belongs to him. He owns all the world. He doesn't need us. And as I said last Sunday, he desires and chooses to use us and allows us to be part of his kingdom work. And he gives us the privilege because he wants us to have this posture of, of generosity. And so we see here in the book of Genesis, even before the law came, that there was something that God put in the hearts of his followers that would say, because of what Jesus has, because of what God has done for me, I want to give back to the Lord out of a heart of gratitude, out of a heart of what, because of what God has done for me. 
There are these verses that, in the book of Malachi that talk about giving to the Lord in Malachi chapter 3, and it says, Should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When, when do we ever cheat you? You have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. You are under a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there will be enough food in my temple. Bring the tithes into the house of God so that, so that the work of the Lord would be able to continue. I like what Michael Jr., he's a Christian comedian. He talks about tithing and he said, he said you know, tithing is not, uh, is not giving back to the Lord. Tithing is just not stealing because it already belongs to him, right? And so uh, when, we, when we understand some of these principles that God has, has instituted so that he can help us to have a generous posture, he can help us to have a sacrificial posture through, through, through faith and sacrifice we give to the Lord. The, the verses that come after this in Malachi chapter 3, it talks about how the Lord will open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. And I won't read all the verses there, but you can refer to it, how God wants to bless his people. And friends, this is not a, a prosperity gospel, and it's not a gift-to-get gospel where it's like, okay, I'll give $10 and God will give me back $100. No, it doesn't work that way. But there is a blessing that God can give to us, and sometimes it's financially, but more importantly, it's something that is spiritually for us. And the blessing here that God talks about, I will open up the storehouses of heaven, I will pour out a blessing upon you and upon your family, is something that is much greater, something much more eternal for us. I shared with you uh, about a pastor named Robert Morris. He wrote the book, a book called The Blessed Life in our notes page online. You can find a link to that book. I highly recommend that you would read it. He even has a whole sermon series about giving. I highly recommend if you want to dig deeper into this topic to listen to that as well. But he shares uh, about one time in his life how God had taken him from step to step to a place of, of generous living. And, and it's not that we overnight become, come to the place where he was at in terms of very generous living, but it's a, it's a progress, and I'll, I'll talk about that in a moment as well. But he shares about a time when, when he was praying and God came to him, and God asked him, Robert, can you give me everything? And, God, and, and he knew that when God said, can you give me everything, he meant everything. He, that meant his savings account, that meant his checking account, that meant his two cars, that meant his house. And initially he was you know, taken aback, but he realized such a joy came to his heart that he realized God will not ask this of everyone. Only certain people. And so he joyfully said, yes, Lord, I will do this. And so he gave everything to the Lord. His, all the money that he had in his accounts, his two cars, even his house, he gave to the Lord. And then later on that week, the Lord came to him and told him, ask me anything. And he realized, and he, he talks about the story of, of Solomon and how Solomon gave so generously to the Lord. And then the Lord came to Solomon and told Solomon, ask me whatever you want. Right? And he realized that God only asks that question from those that he knows are, have that generous heart. And God gave Solomon wisdom. And so Robert Morris, when God came to him and said, ask me anything, what would you ask the Lord? Well, Lord, I gave so much up. Can you, you know, give me double back? Can you give me triple back? Do you know what he asked the Lord? He said this. He said before he was a Christian, he lived a very immoral life. He said after he got married, he was unfaithful to his wife. And so what he asked the Lord was this, Lord, please let me and Debbie be in love, deeply in love, all the days of our life. 
and this year he cel they celebrated their 43rd wedding anniversary. Isn't that so much better than money? Isn't that so much better than riches? To have a loving family, to have a loving home, to have the support of the people that are around you, isn't that so much better than saying, oh Lord, can you give me a million dollars? When it talks about the Lord pouring out a blessing upon us, friends, don't just equate that to something financially. God wants to bless you spiritually. God wants you to have a generous posture because it changes our heart. And as our heart is changed, as our posture changes, it changes so many other things in our life. It radically changes so many other things in our life. Let's come to the New Testament. In Matthew 23, here's one of the verses. These are words in Jesus. Uh, if, you, if you have red letter, uh, uh, a red-letter Bible, you'll see these words in red. Jesus says, What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even of the tiniest income from your herb gardens and ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. So he said, these, these Pharisees, these, these religious people, they're, they're so, so they, they tithe every little part. Oh, if we get a little bit of this, we want to tithe that. And they were very careful of that. But they were, they were leaving apart some of the other major things of justice and mercy and faith. But look at what Jesus says. You should tithe, yes. But don't neglect the more important things. See, tithing is just the minimum. It's, it's just the bottom part of it. It's like, yes, do that. But there's so much more greater things that I want you to be able to do. I need you to come to this place of generous posture. I need you to come to this place where you have such a generous heart. So come to this place, place of tithing. And there's so much more that I want to do in you and through you. But I need willing vessels. As we just sang before the message, Lord, I surrender all. Are we actually surrendering all? Realizing that everything that we have is from the Lord. Everything that we possess, every blessing that we have is from the Lord. And if we come to this place of generous posture where we'll say, yes, I can at least be at this place of tithing. Lord, help me in these other things as well that I need to grow in. It's so critical. It's so important. God wants us to bring us to this place of radical generosity. In the New Testament time, it's not just about tithing. It's about radical generosity. In the New Testament time, it's about generous hearts and generous lives. It's about selfless living as we follow the example of Christ who died on the cross and gave up everything for us. That is what we are following after. When Jesus says, take up our cross and follow him, it is so much more. It is so much more of a generous life that God wants us to live and to be able to give to him. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Friends, God's challenging us. God is asking us. God is encouraging us. How do we live a generous life in this New Testament time? What is our posture of generosity? Now, let me ask you a question. How many think tithing is 10%? Anyone here? A few people? Don't be shy. No, you don't think it's... Is it 20%? Daniel, go a little bit lower. Maybe it's 5%. Right? Actually, tithing is not 10%. What? Tithing is not 10%? What, what is it? Tithing is actually the first 10%. There's, there's, a, there's a marked difference here between tithing being 10% and tithing being the first 10%. Why? Because tithing is an act of faith. So you have $1,000 and you say, okay, I'm going to give $100 to the Lord. But you know what I'm going to do? I say, I'm going to pay all my bills. I'm going to do all of that. And then at the end, if I have some money over, I'll give that to the Lord. That's, that's not tithing. Because tithing is an act of faith. Because in the word of God, we always see that the first belongs to the Lord. To give the first to the Lord 
is to, ex is to express your faith that, Lord, I am grateful and thankful for what you've done for me. Here is the first to you in gratitude for what you've done for me. And I trust you to help me with the rest. If I take the step of faith, and if I give to you the first because the first belongs to you, you are the priority in my life. You are number one in my life. If I give that to you, Lord, I'm trusting that you're going to help me with the rest. Tithing is not just 10%. It's the first 10%. Look at the story all the way in the Garden of Eden between Cain and Abel. Look at the difference. You tell me, what do you think is the difference? I'm just going to read the scripture. You tell me, what do you think is the difference between Cain's offering and Abel's offering, and why Cain's offering was rejected and Abel's offering was accepted? Okay, let's read this. In course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord, and Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. What's the difference? They both came and gave to the Lord, didn't they? Did Cain give to the Lord? Yes. Did Abel give to the Lord? Yes. You guys are not answering me because I don't know. What was the difference between Cain and Abel? The first. The first. Cain said, okay, you know, I'm doing really well right now. My business is going good. Everything is going well right now. I got enough. Oh, because I have enough, you know what? I forgot to give to the Lord. I'm doing really well right now. Lord, here you go. Because I'm doing really well, you can have some. But what did, what did Abel do? Abel from the firstborn, not knowing that he would have others, not knowing that he, his flock would grow, not knowing that, that his flock would, would be blessed and he would have many more, he said, I'm giving you the first. And I'm going to trust you, Lord, that you will help me with the rest. Can you see the difference? I'm going to give you the first, Lord. I don't know if I'm going to have other lambs. I don't know if I'm going to have other sheep. I don't know what, what he was raising, but just for example, say if it was lambs or sheep. Lord, I don't know if I'll get another 10. I don't know if I'll get another 20 or another 100, but here's the first, Lord. And see how God's heart was pleased. Cain waited till he had enough. And through the course of his history, over the course of time, as Cain was being blessed, he gave to the Lord. There's a principle there that the first belongs to the Lord. God wants our first. God wants us, when we, when we wake up in the morning, he wants us to spend time with him first. Not with iPhone or Android phone or Facebook or all of those things. But spend time who, with who first? With Jesus first, right? The first belongs to the Lord. It was a principle even in the early church. The Sabbath was always a Saturday. When Jesus rose again on Sunday, the first of the week, then celebration started happening when? On Sunday, give the first of the week to? To the Lord. Give that to Jesus. Give your worship to Jesus. In the Old Testament, in the book of Exodus, it says, then the Lord said to Moses, dedicate to me every Firstborn. The firstborn belongs to the Lord. The first belongs to him. In the book of um, Colossians, it talks about Jesus. The Son is the, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creation. What was the greatest sacrifice that God gave for us? It was Jesus, the first. The firstborn of all creation was Jesus, and God said, here, this is Jesus. This is what we're going to be celebrating throughout Advent. This is what we're going to be celebrating throughout, all throughout Christmas. Here, this is the first. This is Jesus. He's for you. There's this principle of the first in, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek what? Second, third, fourth? The kingdom of God? No. Seek 
first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be given to you. There's a young man that came to Jesus. He's known to us now as the rich young ruler. And he came to Jesus and he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, keep all the commandments. And he said, I've done that. And Jesus, looking on him, loved him, and he told him this. Come, sell all you have, give to the poor, and come and follow me. He gave that young man an amazing opportunity and privilege to see the miracles of Jesus. If you were that young man, what would you give to see the miracles of Jesus, to see the healings of Jesus, to sit at Jesus' feet and hear the parables of Jesus, hear the interpretation of those parables, to hear the beauty of Jesus, to see the beauty of Jesus, to unlock the secrets of the kingdom of God? That young man had that opportunity to walk with Jesus, to walk with the living God, the incarnate God. We're, we're going to look at this in December. God incarnate come in the flesh. And Jesus gives this young man the opportunity, stand by me, be with me, walk with me, follow me. I'm going to show you some amazing and wonderful things. And that young man said, no, I'm too rich. Can you put a price tag on that? I don't think you could put a price tag on that. That's the living eternal God who owns everything, inviting that young man, but because he didn't seek first the kingdom of God. To him, the kingdom of God was important, but it was second to his riches. It was second to his riches. Giving is not just a, an act. It's an act of faith. As I said, that's why it's the first, that we act in faith, trusting the Lord. We believe that God is going to help. We trust God. And I've seen it so many times. I've seen it in, in the very poorest conditions. I've had the privilege of serving and living in, in Mexico and in Puerto Rico in some very poor and difficult conditions. And I've seen God provide in so many amazing ways for people that didn't have. And for, for us as a church that didn't have, and God would provide so many, in so many amazing ways. In the book of Luke chapter 16, it says this, if you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest in greater responsibility. If you read the context of this, Pastor Bruce actually spoke on this um, in, the, in our summer series about the teachings of Jesus, talking about our finances. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of? heaven. Friends, th this posture of generosity, this, this, this idea of giving to the Lord, it's just the, it's just the bottom. It's just the base. There is so much more that God wants to commit to us. There is true riches in eternity. I don't know what those riches are going to be for. We'll find out when we get there. But there are true riches in eternity that we can be laying up for ourselves treasure in heaven. Probably when you get to heaven, you might be like, Daniel, why didn't you speak about giving more? Because look at what's happened. You'll probably look back and say, Daniel, you should have preached way more about giving. Because now we're in eternity and we see these true riches that we have sent ahead of us. God has so much more that he wants to give to us. He will entrust with us the true riches of heaven. But we need to have this posture and this attitude of generosity. In the book of uh, Acts chapter 10, it says, And I have been a constant example of how, this is Paul speaking, of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. It's more blessed to give 
than to receive. And I won't go into even all the studies, the secular studies that talk about this idea of giving and it, it creates dopamine in our, in our brains and it helps us and changes our, our posture and gives us a, uh, an attitude of happiness and there's all sorts of things that in the, in the secular world talks about giving. But I want you to understand that giving is an act of faith. It's not just giving something, it's an act of faith. Everything we do in our spiritual life is, is intertwined with faith. When we come to, come to saving grace in Jesus Christ, it's a reflection of our faith. We take that step of faith to accept Christ into our lives. It's every step of the journey in our spiritual life is about faith. As we come through trials and difficulties and problems, we have to trust God. It's a reflection of our faith. And giving is also part of that. That it is an act of faith. How is your faith being exercised? Friends, can I encourage you today to have a vision of generosity. Parents, can I encourage you today to have a vision of generosity for your family? To teach your children what it means to have a generous posture. Joel really can't understand too much, but we tried with Operation Christmas Child and had him come and bring a box. Maybe next year he'll understand a little bit more. But we want him to understand a posture of generosity. I remember as a, little, as a little kid seated with my parents in the pew and when the plate was passed, and we don't pass a plate here right now, but when the plate was passed, they would have their tithes and my brother and I would take turns. We look forward to the opportunity. We get to put the envelope in the plate. That was our excitement on that Sunday. And my parents were teaching me a lesson. What it means to, to give. Just that physical act of putting that envelope in the plate was something that spoke loudly to us. And so one Sunday I got to do it, the other Sunday my brother got to do it, and then I got to do it the next Sunday. Parents, can I encourage you, teach your children a posture of generosity. In April of next year, we're gonna have Compassion, International, Compassion Canada come in and talk about child sponsorship. Can I encourage you even right now, families in particular, to think about how you wanna sponsor a child that will be an encouragement to your children that you can journey with. We'll talk a little bit more about that closer to the date. But there are so many different ways in which we can have a posture of generosity for our children and for our family. And learn that, set the example for them. Randy Acorn said this, he said, um, that you, can, you can't take your riches to heaven. You can't take it with you. But you can send it on ahead. You can't take your riches. We came, we came with nothing into this world and we will leave with nothing. But we can send it on ahead. How? By investing in the kingdom of God. By investing in people. Lay up for yourself treasure in heaven. Invest in people. Invest in the kingdom of God. Let's live with, an, with a posture of generosity, with an act of faith, and with a sacrificial spirit. Because we can send it on ahead. As you invest into people, those people will be there in eternity. As they come to saving grace in Jesus Christ, they will be there in eternity. And your investment in them, they'll probably come to you and say, because you sent that shoebox, I got to hear the story of Jesus. Wouldn't that be amazing? Because you took time to pack that and serve and come and do that, you know, at Unionville Alliance Church in, the, in, in November of 2023. Because of that, I know Jesus and I have eternity with him. Can you imagine the stories that we're going to hear? We can't take our riches with us, but we can invest it. We can invest it into eternity. We can live a very generous life. In 1 Timothy Chapter 6, verses 18 to 19, it says, Tell them to use their money 
to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. As we become more and more generous, we become more and more like God. As we become more and more generous, we become more and more like God. I told you about Pastor Robert Morris, and I'll tell you just two stories in closing. One of his friends, his name was Steve, he was one of the, the founding elders of, uh, of his church. And, and Pastor Robert Morris came to Steve one day as God was teaching him about giving, and he said, do you know there's actually three levels of giving? And he's like, yeah, I know there's three levels of giving. He's like, really? He's like, yeah, what is it? It's tithes, offering, and then extravagant giving. And God's not going to take us all the way to extravagant giving right at the beginning because he first wants us to build up to that. It's a progression in our posture of giving. And, and Steve was a businessman. In his business that he had, he was giving away 50% of his, of, his, of his income. So that was tithes offering and, and even more. And, and one day, uh, when Steve was looking at his accounts, he looked at his, at his checking account of his, of his business, and he said, well, okay, there's there. And then he said, well, let me just check and see how much we have in savings. And he looked at how much he had in savings and he added them together. Then he thought, let me just check how much I have in my investments. And so he looked at it in his investments and he added that together. And he said, let me just check how much I have in my retirement. And so he looked at his retirement and then he added that together, all those four. And he looked at it and it was like, it was a lot of money. And he, he had given away so much money already because he was giving away 50% of his income. But the next morning in his quiet time with the Lord, the Lord came to him and asked him a question and said, Steve, how much do you have? And he was like, how much do I have? Uh, and he tried to play dumb. I don't know, Lord. He was like, oh, yeah, you discounted. And the Lord asked him a question. Can you give that all to me? And he said his first, his first reaction was fear. He didn't know how he'd be able to do that. But his second reaction was joy because he knew that God wouldn't ask that of everyone. And because God asked him, he said, I freely give everything. And he gave everything. Everything in his checking account, everything in his savings account, everything in his retirement, everything in his investments, he gave it all to the Lord. And the next, end of the next calendar year of his business, so 18 months later, the Lord came to him again and said, Steve, how much do you have in your, in your accounts? And he was like, oh Lord, I don't know, I don't need to count, it's okay, you know. Thinking the Lord might ask him again. But he said, no, 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 go and count and look. And when he did, he found that in every single account, there was double of what he had given away. And he said, in 18 months, I gave you what took you 15 years. Amazing provision from the Lord. Pastor Robert Morris, uh, one time he went to Costa Rica. And when he went to Costa Rica, he uh, was there at a Bible college there in Costa Rica. And while he was there, uh, he met with the president of this Bible college. And he ended up there on a Friday. And it was Bless a Friend Friday. And what it was, was, you know, bless one of the other students there with something. Maybe it's, you know, a pen or a pencil. They didn't have a lot of money, shoes or shoelaces or whatever it was. And this one, one young man came to, hit, came to the president and said, I, I don't have anything to give. And he's like, well, go home and pray and ask the Lord what you can give. So he went home and he, and he prayed and, and he, worked at, he worked at a peanut farm. He was at this peanut farm and he was working there and he said, well, I, I can give a peanut. So he went to his boss and he said, Look, I need something to give for, you know, bless a friend Friday. Um, I want to give one peanut every Friday, right? 
And the boss said, well, what is it? What do you mean one peanut? He's like, so can you deduct that off of my pay? Right? And the boss said, just take the peanut. I don't need to, you know, deduct it off of your pay. And he's like, no, 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 if you do that, then it's not me giving. It's you giving. I want to give. So the boss was a Christian. He understood what he was trying to do. And so he said, okay, here, I'll, I'll deduct that off your pay. And so for the first semester, the program was a two-year program, four semesters. The first semester he would bring every Friday, he would bring a peanut to share for Bless a Friend Friday. After semester one was finished, semester two came, and he would bring a bag of peanuts for Bless a Friend Friday. And he would give that bag. And as his boss saw him becoming more and more generous and saw his faithfulness in the work that he did, his boss came to him and said, look, I bought this field. There's a lot of stones and rocks in it. If you go and work in that field, and I want to expand my peanut business into there, if you go and work in that field and prepare that field and get it all ready and, and oversee the work there, I'll give you 25% of the proceeds. And so with 25% of the proceeds, he came and he sponsored 10 students for scholarships for that seminary. 10 students in semester number three. Semester number four came and he sponsored 50 students in that seminary. He was growing in his generosity. He didn't just get to 50 right at the beginning. He started with a peanut. And the president of that university, when he was speaking with Pastor Robert, he said, do you know how many students here right now are in the seminary? And how many are on scholarship? 200 because of that young man. He came to seminary because he thought he would come and study the Bible, but God called him into business. And there's some people here that you are gospel patrons and God has called you into business. God has called you into, into a place where you can earn money and support the kingdom of God. And that's not any lower than being a pastor or a missionary. We are all part of the greater kingdom work that God is calling us to do. And what God is calling you to do as a gospel patron today is, to, is God is challenging us and asking us, are we part of that kingdom ministry with our time, talents, and treasures? And that time when Pastor Robert was there, he, he, the president told him, I just had lunch with that man. And he came to me and he said, is there any more students that you can, you can give? Because what had happened was a few years after that, when the owner wanted to sell his business, he sold it to that young man. And he became the owner of that whole peanut, peanut business. And that man came to the president of the university and said, is, is there any more students that, you can, that can come to the seminary? And he said, how many more scholarships do you want to give? He said, 2,000 or 3,000 more. Can you get that? From 200 to 2,000. Can you see how his generosity has grown? Friends, I want to tell you today, as the takeaway today, if you're in a place where it's very difficult, your faith is not there to give, can I ask you just to start with something? Start with $1. Start with $5. Start with something. Take that first step in generosity. Take that first step in giving. If you're at the place here that you, you've maybe been a Christian a number of years and you're like, yeah, tithing is just part of my routine. Can I ask you to ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do to take that next step? Tithing is one thing, maybe offerings is another. What is that next step to give to the Lord? And maybe you're at that place where you're giving your tithes and your offerings and God wants to take you to another place of generosity, of extravagant giving. Wherever you might be in your, in your giving and your generosity experience, there's so much more that God wants to give. It's not, about our, it's not that he needs our money. He wants to change us to become more and more like Jesus.
who gave his own life for us, who laid down everything for us. It's not that he needs us. He is the living eternal God, but he chooses to partner with us. He chooses to allow us to be part of this great work that he's doing so that our lives can be changed, so that we can see the amazing work that God is doing, so that we can be transformed into the image and character of Jesus who gave everything for us. Wherever you might be in your giving journey today, God's calling you to be a gospel patron. Make a decision today to say, I'm going to take that next step. Maybe it's the first step. Maybe it's the 10th step. But whatever the step is, let giving be an act of faith. Let's stand together as we sing to the Lord.